Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 140. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? John, I am fine and dandy. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe, remembering to smash that subscribe button. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome, Nick. Hey, so this is uh, part two of our discussion with Eric Brooker. People should go back and listen to that first episode if they haven't, right? You always want to know what happened in part one before you go to part two. I mean, they could be listened to independently, right? But seriously, in episode 139, which was part one of this, we talked about how Eric kind of fell into the sales profession, worked hard, had a lot of great mentors, and became a sales leader. We got some insight into what the life of a sales leader is like, all the hard conversations that it entails, how to allow people to say no, and a lot about how managers should show empathy. Great stuff. Go back and listen if you missed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed that conversation. Um, Of course, we want to shout out um, Eric's uh, podcast, Council Culture. Um, The episode that I have teed up is number six. I think it's uh, living well under pressure. I I don't remember. It's it's in my queue. I haven't listened to it yet, Uh, but highly recommend it. This episode is going to center mostly around, actually, we talked a little bit about the podcast too, but um, it starts out with a visit and a vacation that Eric took with his family to the Lake of the Ozarks and how that kind of changed and revolutionized how he thought about work and and unplugging from work. So uh, without any further delay. That's all you get. That's right. No more teasing. You know what? I'm going to explain the rest of the episode too. No. Just kidding, I'm not going to do that. Without further delay, part two of our discussion with Eric Brooker. Yeah, speaking of honest conversations, you actually had one about taking some time off recently. Is it okay if if we start getting into that story, Eric? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a little background, I'm 41 years old. I've been in tech sales or leadership for 21 years. I'm not embarrassed to say this. My my wife and I live in St. Paul, Minnesota. The family lives in Phoenix. We travel a lot, but we've always traveled to either meet family somewhere or traveled to family, Thanksgiving, Easter, Christmas, summer vacations. We've always met family with a our oldest will be 21 in a couple of months. We've never taken a vacation, just our family unit. So with seven kids, just the nine of us. And uh, y'all let you ask the question, but we did that a couple weeks ago. We went to Lake of the Ozarks, which I'm a huge fan of, having never been there before. It was such a cool experience. Uh, but yeah, we just got back from a vacation. It was great. Now you posted on LinkedIn. We were connected by a, a mutual acquaintance. And I saw this post you made about total disconnection you if i remember right you removed email from your phone while you were on this trip and that was the first time you had done that 
So can you give us the preamble to going on that trip, how you approached it with your boss, why you decided to to take the total disconnect? Yeah. So the the podcast that I host is all about culture and leadership. And I obviously surround myself with that, with the books that I read, with the people that I uh, interact with fairly regularly. But if you just look around, for any of your listeners, the hot topic in business right now is leadership and culture. No doubt that I have a podcast for that reason. They're hot topics. But every company out there talks about the amazing culture that they have. In fact, the really bad ones actually splash it in vinyl lettering on their walls and they send it at the bottom of an email and the signature and all that. There's few companies out there that really strive to have a good culture. Now, they might not have a great culture, but they strive to have a good culture. I was fortunate. I've only been with my company for two years. I was fortunate to meet them, boy, almost six years ago as a friendly competitor. We got to know one another they're really great people. They say, I beg your pardon, they do everything that they say they're going to do. And they're a bit of a cultural anomaly in my industry. So I decided to take this trip. My wife, I don't want to say she pressured me, but she pressured me. She helped me realize that in 21 years of parenting, we've never actually done a vacation, just our family. No parents, no siblings, no cousins. We're not meeting up at Disneyland with friends or any, like, we're just going the nine of us. She sold you on the idea that that was important. She, yeah, she sold you me. To hit your number that month. <laughs> she did. And in doing that, I took the time off. Obviously, I took the, the week off of work and I just, I kind of had this epiphany one day. I've, I've got a, a bead jar. In fact, I've got six bead jars that sit at my desk. And each bead jar has a specific number of beads in them, and it changes each week. And I learned this from a gentleman named Jeff Knoll, who was a Disney executive for about 30 years. Each bead in each jar is representative of the weeks that I have left with my kids before they turn 18. So my 15-year-old has significantly less beads in his jar than, let's say, my almost two-year-old, who's got 16 years worth of beads every Saturday morning, every Saturday morning, an alarm goes off on my phone and it reminds me to take a bead out of each jar and reflect on the week before. How present was I to the kids? In a couple of weeks, I'm not going to be present to the kids at all because I've got a business trip in San Diego, followed by a business trip to Portland. But taking out those beads is a reminder for me to be present. And if I missed it this week because I was in San Diego, what's my excuse next week when I'm not traveling at all? And when I'm home the entire week. So keep in mind that, that I've been doing this bead jar thing for probably close to a year now. So I'm more focused on my family. I'm more focused on the fact that time goes by really, really fast. And the time that I've got with my 15 year old is nearing an end, at least in terms of having him in the home. And so I just made this crazy harebrained decision. That if I'm taking a week off from work, you know what I should do? I should probably not work. And what does what does not working mean? Well, I was fortunate to not have a cell phone connection at Lake of the Ozarks. One of the main reasons why, not exactly true, but a big reason why it was such a great vacation. But if I was going to not have cell phone coverage, what else could I do to be present to my family? And I decide, I made this crazy idea and I 
called my boss one day and I said, hey, Jeff, I've got some terrible news. Next week, I'm off work and I've made a conscious decision to delete the email off my phone. And there is not once in my life that I have been more present to my family, that I have enjoyed myself more. I didn't owe anybody anything. All sorts of catastrophic things could have happened and they would have been dealt with. Nobody needed me for an entire week. And if they did, it was just going to have to wait until I got back. And you know what? Nobody died. Nothing catastrophic happened. The The world went on. You know, we all think that we are such an important wheel to the organization. If we leave, the company is certainly going to fall apart. And it's just not what happened. You know, what happened is I got an amazing week with my family. I was present to my kids. We went on a, on a speedboat. We did a paddle boat. We went on kayaks. We swam in the water. We played board games. We watched some basketball. We just hung out as a family. And that's a trip that we're always going to remember. And I know the podcast is about sort of what we would tell ourselves, the, the younger version of ourselves. I'm telling you, I'm 41 years old and I'm almost angry at myself for having waited this long to do it. Because if you're 22, or 32 or 52, the idea of being present to your family. Listen, if you're single and you're just taking a week off, take email off your phone. Be present to the week that you have off. This isn't about me being married with a bunch of kids. This is about I took the time off. And culturally, my company was so incredibly supportive. But the idea that this was a first still sort of stings a little bit. But it's absolutely a must. My dad and I talked about it today. No doubt I'm going to do this at least once a year going forward. Now, what kind of anxiety did you have when you approached your boss? Because I imagine even if you had a good relationship with the boss, you know, I'm a sales leader. There's a lot of pressure there. Me taking a complete week off, is, is he or she going to be okay with that? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something very controversial. If your boss is not okay with you taking a week off of work and not actually working, you work for the wrong place. You work, maybe maybe not the wrong place, but you work for the wrong person. I hate to say it, and I'm probably going to upset some people. I've never done it. I can think back of all the bosses that I've had. I'm confused as to why I've never done this. None of us really do it. None of us disconnect when we take time off. We have our cell phones. We've got our email. We've got... Our coworkers can text us. Just disconnect. I'm telling you, if your boss or the company that you work for is not okay with you disconnecting on your week off, you're, you're working at the wrong place or for the wrong person. I mean, if you think about it, that's how we took time off 30 years ago, right? We didn't we didn't have a cell phone. You know, maybe people had like car phones, but those even yeah. those were like extremely expensive. It's like if you needed me, you'd need to send a telegram. I guess that would be the, uh, the the version of it. But I think we all have this idea, and not to get not to get morbid here for a second, but you know, my dad will go MIA for a week on end. In fact, they're going to San Diego, I think, for eighteen days, and I won't hear from him much. And at one point, early in in sort of his time doing this vacation thing, I'd say, "Well, what if something horrible happens to you?" And his response is actually quite morbid and it's quite true all at the same time. Eric, if I die, I'm still dead. You're going to find out either way. You're going to find out 
that I'm already dead, either because your stepmom had a phone and she immediately picked up the phone to call you or because a week went by and we finally picked up the phone to call you because that's when we could get to a phone. So all the horrible things that we think are going to happen, they're going to happen anyway. So why not just take the time off and be present? That's a great, great perspective that 30 years ago, like we all had pagers, I guess, right? And then we'd get the 911 text from someone and we'd go to a payphone and pick up the phone. Just disconnect. Just be present because you're never going to get that time back. I'm never, gosh, man. I, and I'll probably reflect on this for a while. And now I'm upset with you guys for bringing it up, but I like I was present to my family for an entire week in a way that I've never been present to them. And if I go back and think of all the other vacations to Boston or LA or New York, the things that we've done where I've always checked my email on the subway or I've stepped, I stepped out on a trip to Boston 12 years ago for a half a day to fix a customer problem. Why would I do that? The customer was going to get, that issue was going to get resolved anyway, but I took a half a day away from my wife and kids to be present to the customer and not my family. What kind of decision was that? Well, that's interesting that you asked that question because there's a, a number of different things that I can think of. Like, And the main one is ego, right? Like it, I need to be the one to handle this. Nobody else can fix this. I'll come fix it. No, that's dumb. Someone else can fix it. You're on vacation. The other is the martyr, right? Um, mm. it's the, oh, I'm the one who's willing to sacrifice. You know, at the end of the whatever time period we're measuring this by, like we'll all hold up our cups of blood and say, this is how much I bled for the company or for the organization or for the customer. But we all do that. Look at me. I took a half a day of vacation off from my family. I skipped out on Boston. Yeah, you're right. The martyr thing. We all do it. That's probably exactly what it was, if I'm honest with you. But why? I mean, just for a second, whatever role you're in as you listen to this podcast, like if if we're doing 911 phone calls and things like that, different story. If you're an EMT, a paramedic, a fireman or something like that, it's different. But if you're working at a call center selling widgets or sending people gift cards or rebates back or managing the people that do gift card rebates or in my case, technology, I don't know that I've ever had a true hair on fire emergency to where I need to stop everything that I'm doing and fix it. And there's nobody else in my company that can fix it. We should absolutely be able to take time off. And again, just in terms of a lesson learned for me at 41 that I wish I knew at 21, I wish I had done this once or twice a year, not just as a gift to myself, but as a gift to my family. All the times that I, again, got off the subway to go make the extra phone call or stepped out of lunch so I could go make that phone call, send the email, respond to a text, all the things that I didn't need to do that I did because I I thought that it was necessary. I think sometimes we fear, uh, and I probably fell into this camp for a while, I think sometimes that we fear that if we don't do it, someone else will do it, and that will impact our ability to be promoted. Back to the first part of the show about leadership. I want to get into a leadership role, so I've got to be willing to do whatever it takes. I think as a sales leader, I think the more admirable thing is to be present to your family and to be just more present in life than always accessible. 
Yeah, and what you're, you know, you have the hero, the martyr. I think you also have the addict, somebody who is addicted to responding. They're addicted to checking the email and making sure it's dealt with. I think there's something there because I find myself in that mode even during the day. Oh, I, yeah. I need to make sure that I'm really responsive. I, I can't close down my email for two hours and focus on this thing, but actually I can. Some of the most successful people that I've ever met, I don't know how they do it. I'm not proposing that people do it because I can't do it. I'm just going to say some of the single most successful, we're talking like C-level executives for it. In fact, I've got a buddy who works for a, or used to work for a Fortune 100 as their CFO, checks his email twice a day, 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock. That's it. Otherwise, he can't focus on the things that he's doing. He'll get sidetracked by the emails as they come in. So at 10 o'clock in the morning, he checks his email. At 2 o'clock in the afternoon, he checks his email. And he's created a behavior for his internal or external customers to know that that's when he's going to check his email. And I could, I could argue that we can probably all do that. What if we just had an auto reply? Hey, I checked my email at 10 and 2. I'll get back to you uh, at that time. You're going to create some behaviors. But we absolutely, we absolutely think the, the sky is going to fall if we don't reply to that email or reply to the voicemail or pick up the phone, answer the call and so forth. It goes back to saying no, right? Setting those boundaries. Yeah. It's a really hard thing to do. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. I think I want to go back to, you know, the core lesson that you learned from this, which is being present. And even this, like, you know, only checking your email twice a day thing is about being present. That's about being present for the job that you're actually there to do, right? Whatever it is that you decided to do for this next 40 minutes, you're being present with it. And you're doing one of the things you're doing is not checking email. You're not, you know, uh, playing solitaire. You're not, you know, there's any number of things that you're not doing. And you're bringing your full focus and attention to this one task. And I think that if you can't demonstrate that you are able to do that, like, you know, every, every facet of technology, in fact, is, is against you in this. Right. Every all the systems oh, that we yeah. have today are set up to distract you from like focus time. And that's unfortunate. Um, but being present and being focused on the things that that were important to you in that moment, which was your family, like that's super important. And if you can't do that, can you like if you can't trust yourself to do that, can you really trust yourself? to be focused on your job when you're at your job. Well, think think about for just a minute, and I, we've all done it. In fact, most of us can think of a time that we did it today. I'm actually, it's funny you bring it up because it's something I've been working on since getting back from vacation is being more present to everything that I'm doing is shutting my email down for the next hour because for the next hour, I'm doing this podcast or for the next hour, I'm meeting with that client or for the next hour, I'm on a call with somebody else. But how often, don't answer this, this is a rhetorical question to everybody listening, but how often have we been on the receiving end of, let's say we've spoken for three or four minutes on a particular topic, and then all of a sudden, the guy that you're talking to just simply sort of affirms what you've just said. Not in any meaningful way, they just say, yeah, totally, I I, I got it. 
Well, why'd they do that? They did that because they were checking their email. They were on Facebook. They were on Fox News, ESPN. They were doing all sorts of other things. We know that that person wasn't listening. We know that they weren't present. Now, the inverse of that is how often today were you that person? And so the easiest thing to do in life, actually, let me rephrase it. The hardest thing to do in life in many respects is to be present, is to shut your email down. Don't respond to your text messages. Some phones have a feature where if you turn the phone upside down, you won't even know that it's ringing. You won't even know that a text message came in. Heaven forbid you just shut it in a drawer. The text message is still going to be there when you get off the call. The problem is, is we all, and it goes back to the martyr syndrome. It goes back to the world's going to fall apart without me. My my kid's still going to have a skin knee if I answer that text or not. My wife's still going to wonder if she should have taken our kid to urgent care. And she can make that decision without me. We've been married a long time. I trust her judgment. No sale is going to happen that wouldn't have otherwise happened. All the things are going to happen with or without us. If your job is so critically important that you can't miss a text, an email, a phone call, or a courier pigeon, you've probably got an admin anyway. So tell them to only walk in your office or only buzz you when it's hair on fire. I'm going to have to get one of those phones that you can turn upside down. Yeah. it's a. It, I don't know if it's the iPhone, only because I have an iPhone and I've not ever figured it out. But my boss turned his phone over the other day when it was nice. ringing and it just stopped. And we finished the conversation. I said, how'd you do that? Because your phone set it upside down and it won't ring. So that's fantastic. My, my Pixel does that. Now we're gonna we're gonna go down the wrong path. I, iPhone is definitely the better phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Now we've started a religious war on our journey. No, I, I think what's important, you know, it doesn't matter like what the the movement is, right? Um, if you have like a do not disturb mode that you're willing to set, you know, or that automatically turns on during your meetings, right? And then you calendar times for do not disturb, right? Like that. That's just. Yeah, absolutely. Doing it. I, I do like the, the systems that you are talking about setting up, like whether that be, you know, here's my tool for being present, turn my phone upside down or put it in a drawer or remind myself that I have less time with my kids by, by taking a, a marble out of a jar. A bead out of a jar every week. All those things are reminders and systems to be more present. Well, even setting alarms on your phone, right? Set an alarm on your phone to... Read for 30. I'm writing a book. I just started writing a book and I have a 30 minute calendar appointment before work every morning to spend just that, that 30 minute window stream of thought for 30 minutes a day. Schedule that time. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, that sounds like what Josh Duffney is doing. He's a previous guest on the show and he has a, a focus on deep work. You know, all the things you said remind me that I need to go and reread Deep Work by Cal Newport. And he, okay. his whole thing is about this extreme focus and that a lot of people who were great thinkers or authors, a lot of times they had somewhere they would go that was totally different from their normal environment, much like you said, go on vacation. Or they would take this time of total disconnection People didn't couldn't contact them, and that's where they would do some of their deepest focus work, and you know, just create amazing things or have an extraordinary breakthrough. So, kudos to you for taking the time to 
to do your writing without interruption. So be curious to, to follow up with you, you know, once you get closer to publishing. It's uh it's a ways out. I'm excited about the opportunity uh, and kind of this crazy idea that I had. So I'm just putting pen to paper every day, but for me, it's a book for other people. It's, you know, spending 30 minutes with your kids before they go off to school each day. I just, we have to figure out what our priorities, maybe that's where it starts is just figuring out, in life, what your priorities are. For me, it's always, I've, let me rephrase that. I have always said it's been family, but I've always acted differently until recently. And if I'm going to take a bead out of a jar for each of my six kids that are still at home, because that's a focus for me, what am I doing to actually focus on the kids each and every day? Yeah, that's great. I I set a personal goal to write one blog post a month for my daughter. You know, okay. Something, something to give to her when she's older. And I and before I had set the goal, I wasn't doing it consistently. It'd be every few months I'd write a few. But like since I set the goal and I wrote it on my whiteboard, Saturday comes, phone goes in another room or at least away from me, right? So it can't distract me. I even turn it upside down sometimes. There you so go. I see it. I think my phone has that feature too. And I just write. You know, it may only be 15, 20 minutes. Sometimes it's 30 minutes and it's two posts, but I've been doing it for several weeks now and it, it feels pretty great. And I wasn't too busy to do it. And if you tell people about it, it's more likely to happen. That too. Uh, the accountability device. Bingo. Uh, yes. I, I was wondering if you could, you know, you mentioned writing the book. Could you uh, tell us a little bit more about the podcast? I know um, like in the introduction, uh, we will actually, you know, introduce you as the founder of this podcast as well. Maybe you could take this opportunity to talk about how you added that to all the many things that you were doing initially. Yeah, the the podcast is an interesting one. So I got a phone call a little over a year ago from a buddy of mine by the name of Tanner Brock. Tanner said, hey, Eric, I want you to come on my podcast and talk about some things that you're really passionate about. And I said, well, you have a podcast? And he said, yeah, it's super easy. If you've got a, basically, if you've got a computer, you can do a podcast. Certainly, if you've got a computer, you can be a guest. And I had this cool mic and I have AirPods and I've got a computer. So I thought, well, sure, I'll come on. And we talked about culture and leadership. And the reason that I'm so passionate about culture and leadership is primarily because of a, a really horrible job I had a number of years ago. I won't I won't say when out of respect for these people. They're good people, but they would just run you into the ground emotionally. But for me, the motivation to start the podcast is I got sucked into what looked like a great culture. Taco Taco Tuesdays, they'd have the big taco truck would show up, free coffee, vending machines were free, they had a foosball table and an air hockey table, and they had a library of just amazing books. And on paper... Just aesthetically, it all looked really cool. Like, why wouldn't someone want that job? And then I got there and it wasn't about me at all. It was about them and it was about their bottom line and it was about them making the type of money. And it was about me not taking vacation time and focusing on my family because they had to work me to death. And I didn't want anybody to make that mistake again. Selfishly, I didn't want to make that mistake again. But I needed to learn about the mistake I had made to not make it again. And so we've started this podcast called The New Norm. And really, 
It is about creating a new norm in our own lives around culture and leadership. It's about taking a leadership role in our own lives. We've had some incredible business guests from the CEO of Chipotle to the vice president of talent at Chick-fil-A, executives at Disney and Twitter. But we had some just real normal people on. Look up John O'Leary. We talked about in awe and on fire. John has an absolutely incredible journey that will more than likely inspire everybody that listens to the podcast or reads his book. They were phenomenal reads. He's an incredible individual. I interviewed, gosh, just a few months ago, a gentleman by the name of Jason Schechterly. Jason Schechterly took a leadership role in his own life. He was a 26-year-old Phoenix police officer, stopped at a red light waiting for traffic with lights and sirens, and he got rear-ended. That doesn't sound like much, but he got rear-ended by a taxi cab going 120 miles an hour. And to say the least, it changed his life. And that episode, we talk about all sorts of harrowing things from his time in a, in a medically induced coma to sort of meeting his wife again and the two years of recovery to him physically not looking like maybe like you and I and the impact that's had on his life and his ability to forgive the man who hit him, who absolutely should not have been driving a car or doing the drugs or all of the things that he was doing. So the podcast has been a lot of fun for me. It stretched me, but we talk about leadership and culture and we've had some amazing guests on. We'll continue to do this. Um, I committed to 75 episodes. We're right at the cusp of 50. And with all the fun and success I'm having, I think we're just going to keep going. How many episodes did you think we'd get to, John? I said, let's make sure we get to 20. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Someone told me when I said I was going to start a podcast, I got a logo, I did the intro music and all that. And someone said, Eric, 90% of podcasts don't make it past 10 episodes. And that was my first goal was 25. I'll get to 20. If nobody does 10, I can do 25. And now we're, again, we're coming up on 50. We've got guests coming out of our ears right now. And it's forced me to do something that I never thought I would do. I'm reading about a book a week to try and keep up with my podcast guests. And selfishly, if me hosting a podcast, I get a few listeners, but it forces me to grow and mature as a person. And I get to share these unbelievable conversations with other people. I'm going to keep doing it. I can tell you it's been a tremendous learning experience for me, talking to folks like yourself, learning from other people's heartache and triumph, if you will. Well, why why do we have this idea that we need to learn it on our own the hard way when we can leverage people that have done it in the past and technology is such right now? You don't even have to go through the hassle of reading a 300-page book. Google a podcast topic and you will find 700 people to talk about it and many of them are subject matter expert, experts, thought leaders, visionaries in that field. Spend 40 minutes and listen to a podcast. Yeah. You don't even have to read a book. Like the book will be read to you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and if you listen to it at what you said, 1.6x was your speed. <laughs> I mean, it's not One, even a full 40 minutes. No, bingo. It's a, Is that the conversion rate from miles to kilometers? <laughs> I feel like it is. <laughs> there you go. I really like um, the idea of trying to transmit knowledge 
and culture like um, via like some you know broadcast medium where you know for some people it's writing blog posts for some people it's you know doing an audio format for some people it's a video format you know for some people it's multimedia I'm sure um, it, it and it's really interesting that you know you hit upon this as a as a powerful way for you and for your audience to 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 have this conversation right because often it is two-way um i'm wondering you know what is some of that fulfillment like some of that feedback that you've gotten that has kind of kept the fire burning to continue to do it well the feedback i enjoy any guest that I get to talk to is an experience that I'm convinced I wouldn't have had otherwise. I had uh, Anytime Fitness. If you guys are familiar, Anytime Fitness has about 5,000 locations. The corporate brand is something called Self-Esteem Brands. I've gotten to know the founder of the company who happens to live like 15 minutes from me and his corporate office is about a five-minute drive. This is not someone I ever would have met in any other life had I not done a podcast. So the guests themselves, what I've learned from the guests has been paramount to why I continue to do this. But for me, more so than the guests, the conversations about the episodes that I have had with listeners is absolutely why I keep doing it. And I'll give just a brief story. We did an unexpected episode. I had someone reach out to me and said, Eric, I'd love to be a guest on your podcast. John, Nick, you know how weird that can be uh, after doing this for all these years. I said, Michael, I haven't talked to you in a couple of years. What are you going to come on my podcast and talk about? Because we're about culture and leadership. And he said, well, I'd like to come and talk about my three-year recovery from alcohol addiction. And that was the first time where I thought, okay, well, if we're going to take the road of taking a leadership role in your own life, then yeah, there might actually be something. He wrote a book. It's an incredible book. He had a really great story. And I asked him to come on the podcast. Now, he came on the podcast and I air every single Tuesday. So October 27th of last year, I had a podcast with Michael Gallagher. I knew that the first week in October when we recorded, it was going to go live October 27th. At three o'clock that morning, I got a phone call from my sister, from my father-in-law that my sister-in-law had passed away. My sister-in-law died of uh, ultimately alcohol poisoning after an 11-year battle with alcohol. One of the hardest things that I ever did was look at my wife in the middle of the day and say, I've got a podcast I need to drop. But I felt like, I felt like I had a purpose in a very different way because we're talking about alcohol. We're talking about addiction. My sister-in-law literally had passed earlier in the day. And I posted that podcast and like, I don't have thousands upon thousands of listeners, but I had an untold number of people reach out to me, not about my sister-in-law passing, but about the impact the conversation with Michael Gallagher had about, I had one guy whom I don't know well, we are faces passing at church. And he said to me, Eric, I didn't even know you had a podcast. I was getting out of the shower and I wanted to listen to a podcast while I got ready and your name popped up. And I thought, I didn't know Eric had a podcast and he hit play on October 27th. He said, Eric, I never thought I had an alcohol. I, I, I beg your pardon. I never thought I was an alcoholic. I always knew I had an alcohol problem. October 27th was his 350th day sober. 
And he said, I woke up with a desire to celebrate. I was going to drink. I was going to party with my wife. And then I listened to your podcast. And if that, like, if that in and of itself is not motivation to continue to have these conversations, because in that way is a major impact, but in so many ways, just these little impacts, these little nuggets that you can learn from Nick and John or that you can learn from my podcast of just how to live a better life, how to live a more intentional life, how to live a more inspired life. There's a, the John O'Leary podcast is absolutely phenomenal called Live Inspired. And there's just so much you can get from 15 minutes, 30 minutes a day of listening to someone else's experience. Yeah. And are we undistracted enough to be listening and present to learn from the people around us in those everyday conversations? Yeah. Do we put our cell phones away so we can listen to a podcast? Do we shut our email down so we can listen to the pod? Like all these things that we're not doing in life. How can we just be more intentional and more meaningful in our actions? Yeah, that's good. I feel like we found a theme here of uh, being present and being focused and, and doing things intentionally. I really like that. Yeah. Jeff Knoll, the Disney executive for 30 years, will start and end a conversation. And I've stolen this from him. And at some point, I'm going to just make it my own. But he always says, Eric, happy present moment. And if you just pause and think about those words, happy present moment. We're in such such a pace to try and move on to the, hey, what's the reason you called? How can I help? Let's get off the phone. We've got things to do. There's people that seen and all that. Happy present moment. Just be happy in the present moment because you're there for a reason. I really wanted to say like, yeah, in a way that implied that I hadn't been listening. <laughs> but but I wasn't. It, it, it was, totally. Totally. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um. No, it's it's so interesting, right? Because it, first of all, it is a transmission of culture, right? Uh, and and values. This person is telling you what their values are, and one of those things that they're transmitting to you is, you know, being present and letting you know that they are going to be present, and implicitly that they expect you to be present as well, right? Correct. Yeah, I really like that. It's part of that modeling good behavior. Hopefully others will follow suit. Yep. Happy present moment. Happy present that, moment. That's going to that's gonna haunt me, I think. That's a great You're welcome. episode title. <laughs> happy, happy present, present moment. moment with Eric Brooker. So as we get close to wrapping here, Eric, a couple more questions we want to ask if that's all right. Yeah, go for it. What is the best and worst career advice you've ever received? <sighs> wow, the best and worst career advice that I've ever received. You know, I won't, I won't give the advice that I was given because nothing really comes to mind. But I think for me, the, the worst thing that I've ever done in my career was get impatient. I was looking for success faster than I needed to. And what I mean by that is, a year into a role, I'd think that I had earned my stripes or I had earned the right to be that sales leader or to move into that senior role or whatever it was or get the corner office or whatever. And I'd get mad and I wouldn't be patient and I'd, I'd leave the company. And so for me, I think the best advice that I was ever given was to be patient, that it, the grass is not greener on the other side. We all We all think that it is. We think that it is in relationships, at work. Uh, the car with all the problems, it's, I'm just going to go fix it. 
and get a new car. Well, now you got a new car and a really big monthly bill. So the grass isn't always greener. But for me, one of the things that I wished I had done in my career is be more patient. I think there were a lot of tremendous opportunities in front of me that I missed out on because I couldn't just hold tight, stay focused, and continue to do what I was doing, despite the fact that things weren't easy at the moment. Best and worst uh, in, in one message. I like that too. <laughs> worst actions and best advice to get out of that action. You've done yeah, this before, you Eric. You've done this before. <laughs> Some, something like that. Eric, I just want to thank you so much for the time that you've given us here. Um, I just found it really valuable to listen to the stories and, and the lessons that you've learned over time. And I really appreciate it. Yeah, I can't thank you guys enough, Nick. Thank you so much for reaching out to me over a silly post about deleting my email. I want to leave you with one nugget that another guest shared, and I hear it from him fairly regularly. Bobby Dysart said, don't wait, start small, learn as you go. So many of us are waiting to gather all the information, to read the entire book, to write the entire book. Just take the first step. Whatever it is, delete your email. If you're not ready to delete your email, don't take your phone with you for an hour while you're dropping your kids off in the morning. Those little things. So I think uh, I think Bobby's got it right. Don't wait. Start small. Learn as you go. Awesome advice. Well, Eric, thanks again for uh, for joining us on the Nerd Journey podcast. Uh, we hope that we can have you back, uh, get some more uh, cool wisdom, and especially we want to hear about the book that you've uh, written. Uh, as that yeah. as that goes along, I, I I did hear that you told us about it. Um, so uh, that that means we have to hold you accountable now. Bingo, <laughs> do it. I love it. And again, thank you guys so much for having me on. appreciate you explaining that whole episode to me while everyone else listened to it. I think you memorized it perfectly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it. And it's a service that I always offer. Yeah, love that. And you know what? You were very present the whole time. And that's exactly what Eric was talking about in this episode. I love that idea of forcing yourself to detox from all the responsiveness and alerts and the things that we are addicted to and we don't even realize it. Every time I hear something like that, I think back to Josh Duffney in episodes 123 and 124 and how he was able to take that digital minimalism and, and implement it and focus a bit better. And it makes me realize that I need to do better in my addictiveness to being responsive. It's so funny because um, I think it must have been after... I listened to that episode. I started uh, listening to Cal Newport's, uh, the author of uh, Deep Work and kind of the guy who came up with that digital minimalism idea. I started listening to his podcast, Deep Questions. I um, mean, we'll put a link in the show notes. And and I started doing some of the same stuff. You know, I started removing alerts from a, a bunch of my apps. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, it actually was really helpful at becoming a little bit more focused. Um, also really liked what Eric had to say about leading a meaningful life. 
and then leading an intentional life. He, he called out a specific um, interview he had about intentionality. I, I'm uh, going to go back and listen to that episode. I think that's not the one that I started with. Just also want to make sure that we shout out that Council Culture podcast again. And we are not guests. We're not, we're, we don't get a kickback for, for every, uh, you know, $100 million of sales that goes through the Council Culture podcast. We don't get a little, little taste. Um, we just uh, thought it was really interesting to talk to Eric and make sure that if you want to hear what he has to say, you know, go ahead and listen a bit more to him at the Council Culture podcast. Um, and with that, anything else before we get out of here, Nick? One other thing that I wanted to say, remember that Eric said he wishes he had done something like this before, that disconnection from work. You know, he felt like he yeah. waited too long in his life to do that. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you find yourself having never taken a vacation and truly disconnected to where you can't work and will prevent any opportunity to work, Think about doing that, even if it's just a week, even if it's just a few days. Maybe you extend your weekend by one day on each side and you tell the boss that, hey, I'm unreachable. Set that expectation up front and don't check your email. <laughs> see, see if you can do it. You know, it, If you can't detox, then you're always going to be addicted. <laughs> yeah, don't check your email. Don't write show notes to the podcast. Don't do any editing. Uh, just full detox. I, I totally agree with what you're saying there, Nick. That is therapy, John, and you know it. <laughs> like working on a hobby slash passion project is not the same as working for your nine to five. Oh, okay. All right. In my mind. Yeah, you're not addicted. I am not addicted to. I can stop whenever I want. Yes, I can stop at any time. Cold turkey. <laughs> I could stop after this recording if I needed to. (laughs) Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right, farewell listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at VJourneyman. For Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore, not addicted, signing off. I'm not an addict, sir.